Nicole Ramsey grew up in a tumbling, hectic, people-filled household as the youngest of four kids. A self-confessed tomboy and late bloomer, Nick remembers the fun and chaos of a big family quickly shrinking as each of her three siblings grew up and left home. She was left as an only, sometimes lonely child in a quiet house in the suburbs, yearning for the abundance of a big and bustling family again. Nick eventually grew up too, as we do, and left home to study, live and work overseas as a successful photographer. When she and her husband decided in their mid-30s, it was time to start a family. But after taking almost five years to conceive their son, they struggled to conceive again. And so together they began researching and considering the idea of fostering a child. This episode steps into the seams of that story and explores Nick and her husband's eventual fostering of their now daughter. We explore the uncertainties, hopes, expectations and emotions that surface when you open your heart and your home to bring a precious and vulnerable little stranger into your family fold. The journey has been filled with both joy and challenge and at times like all of us as parents, Nick wondered whether she could manage the emotional and relational strain of foster parenting. But Nick describes her daughter as her greatest teacher and mirror to her own self and story as she seeks to understand the role of nature and nurture in human development and the unseen family forces that shape us all. I'm the youngest of four children and I grew up in a really busy, fun household. My uh, three older siblings were a little bit older than I am, so life was always really busy and hectic in our house. So as the youngest of four, then the others leave home and you're alone. What impact did that have on you? Well, I guess it went. From, our house went from being a really busy, full place to quite empty because I think it was in my early teens when... Um, my siblings all started uni and moved out and started their careers and study. And so all of a sudden I was just home. It was me and mum and dad. And although it was great because I sort of had all the attention, it was all, I really missed that sibling relationship. So is your idea of family then uh, feel like it needs to be full and, and big and a lot of movement and, and noise? I also grow up in a big family and so... Yeah. To me, that's what family also feels like. Yeah, I think in some ways, definitely, yeah. There was also, because there was lots of us in the house too, I guess I was quite independent at a young age because you used to just get on with things for yourself because um, that's, you know, there wasn't maybe enough time all the time for your parents to be having full attention on four kids. Particularly as uh, being the youngest. Yes, that's right. And then there's the older siblings were often looking after me and... You know, sort of, yeah, I remember my brother always wanted a little brother because <laughs> there's three girls and a boy. So he was always like shaping me into be his little <laughs> footy friend and, you know. <laughs> so there was, uh, I guess I grew up a bit of a tomboy because of that too, yeah. And so when you thought about starting your own family, did you have, some people say I want to have X number of kids. Did you ever think that? Did you have a fixed idea? I didn't really, no. I, I like I always thought that I'd have a family but it wasn't one of my biggest goals when I was growing up. I think I think I was actually quite immature when I was younger and I feel like I was less mature than, my, that, that, uh, than other people my age. Like most of my friends started having children a lot earlier than I did. So, And I was sort of aware that at that time I wasn't really ready. I mm. don't know whether it was because I wanted to focus on career. I sort of had some 
career goals that I wanted to achieve and that sort of happened late for me as well. So it wasn't sort of at the forefront of my... I hadn't sort of pictured myself in a big family or anything like that. And you've gone on to have a beautiful son. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, our son's nine years old. So we also know that more recently you fostered a daughter. When did you first consider fostering and for what reasons? We first considered fostering when we were living in London and this was before we'd had our son. So there were some challenges in us having a baby. So it took us four or five years to conceive our son. It was around about that time that we talked about different options, whether we'd be open to adoption or um, or fostering. I think we always had an idea that we would do long-term care if we were going to do something like that. We were more interested in long-term than we were, than we were short-term. Do you mind clarifying, because um, I think yeah, there's a lot of misunderstandings about the differences. So can you just talk about the difference between foster or permanent care or long-term or adoption? Yes. So foster care is when you become a foster carer, you become there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You could be a respite carer, which is you might have children in your home as while they're having a break from other carers or short-term respite from the family, from their birth family, or there's long-term foster care, which means that children would stay with you for a period of more than a month or two. So it may be a year or two, just depending on the family situation. But usually the goal of foster care is to work with the birth family and the agency to reunite the child with their family if that's the best case scenario. What might some of the reasons be for a a child in Australia to go into some of these foster care arrangements? So there's all different types of reasons why children come into care and I think one of the things that we learnt in our foster care training was that a lot of the sort of perceptions of why children come into care aren't always the case. So there's many different family situations that might bring a child into care. It could be the death of a parent and the other parent doesn't cope or the other other parent isn't around. Um, It could be domestic issues, it could be family violence, it could be drugs and alcohol. There's all different reasons why children come into care. But what we discovered was... It's never a lack of love. The experiences that we've had with our foster daughters or now our permanent, now our daughter, um, with her care is that she has a very loving family and it's not a lack of love that children come into care. It's usually lack of education in how to deal with different situations or it could be a lack of mental health support, all of those sorts of things. What is the process to become a foster parent? I imagine it's really very rigorous. It's quite in-depth, actually. <laughs> yeah, we um, we had an, a little bit of an idea of what was involved because we have um, some friends who are foster carers and they really inspired us on our journey into foster care. And so we knew that there was interview processes and things like that, um, you know, visits to your home and they really want to discover what your personality is like, how you cope with stress, how you cope with grief, how you cope with all the things that a child might be experiencing and how well you can relate to those sort of things. The process took us about four months, I think it was, and that was short in terms of 
the training. So it started with a weekend training where it was all day, Saturday, Sunday, and we um, there was a couple of facilitators. We went through an agency in Geelong called BCYF and they were fantastic. The training was amazing. The facilitators were so open and so friendly and humorous too, you know, like a lot of the topics are very heavy. Some of the family issues are really sad, you know, so I think that the way that they trained us was, yeah, very As I'm hearing you explain that process, I think all parents should go through some kind of (laughs) pre-parent training, but none of us are scrutinised or asked, you know, do we have the right mindset or how do we manage grief and how do we manage conflict? And yet these factors influence every one of us as a parent. There seems to be some imbalance there that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through the foster process, you're scrutinised, but if you uh, have a child, you know, a biological child, you just get to do that and no one you asks any it. questions. <laughs> yeah, and then you right. do wing it yeah, for the, next, for the rest of their life. reflecting as you were saying that, yeah, I'm a parent of four and biological kids and, you know, the amount of capacity you have to try and bring to parenting every day and plumb your depths to see have I got more to give, more love, more tolerance, more, you mm. know, more patience. Did you have moments, you know, of quiet when you had to consider how much capacity you had to bring to this new relationship? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are times in that journey where you just don't know if you can do it. Absolutely. And if you're the type of person who likes to be have everything ordered and (laughs) to be in control and things like that, Um, you'll learn a lot through the process. (laughs) So it's interesting, my husband and I both reflected throughout that whole journey of how much we learnt not just about ourselves but about each other and how we, you know, over the years, how many different issues we've had, you know, just in our own relationship that all of a sudden made sense once it was nutted out for us with facilitators and probing questions and things like that it was like ah now I understand why you react like that or now I see why I do that because it really made us focus on our own experiences um, and what shaped us as people and how our relationship has developed around those things. What do you think about nature nurture then if we think about origin and what shapes us what do you do you have any thoughts on um I definitely think that you're, a, you know, you're a product of your upbringing and your life experiences. Yeah, I think it's a huge part of of who you are. I think the experiences that you have shape you more so than the the genes you're given. The biological things. I mean, there's definitely biological characteristics and things like that that you can that you can relate to. But I think the experiences, the life experiences, are the bigger the bigger thing from what I see. What's been the biggest challenge of the foster process, either relationally and maritally or Mm. as an individual or as a parent or as a family unit because it impacts you on on all of those levels? Yeah. Mm, That's a good question. I think one of the things that I found really tricky at the start was you step in so strongly but then you go through phases of pulling back at the same time. It's sort of like because, you know, when our daughter first came to us, we didn't know if it was going to be a permanent thing, but you step in just like a parent. You know, you 
form a connection, you build the connection and then you get fearful and you think, oh, I'm going to get really hurt if this ends or she's going to get really hurt if this ends. And so it's sort of like this in and out flow. And it would possibly end not because of your choice but because of circumstances outside your control. Yes, yeah. because she may be placed back with her family and which would – we were, you know, in one way – excited for that to happen for her if that was going to be the path but on the other hand we're thinking no this is so fantastic too she's so right here so it was yeah there was this sort of ongoing in and out and really luckily my husband and I both experienced that at different times so sort of like when I'd be pulling back he'd be stepping in so it was like this we were really able to support each other Mm. through that Um, which I don't know if we were both experiencing that at the same time. I don't know how we would have coped because there were some days where it was really hard, whether, you know, hard to see what she was going through in the loss of her connections and it does bring up things for yourself, you know, for for me it did definitely. So I I think there was a period at the end of every day where my husband and I would just have to sit down for an hour and say, oh, what happened to you? What happened for you today? Or, you know, and as we were learning more things about her, because it's essentially she's a stranger to start with in your home and every day you're learning something new the more time you spend with her. So some days he'd learn a lot, other days I'd learn a lot, and then we'd come together at the end of the day and go, oh, that'd be why, you know. So that sounds really strengthening. I know I asked about challenges and you've shared one that's really poignant, but it also sounds very strengthening maritally because you're having conversations that you might have never had yes and perhaps fallen into the transactional that a lot of marriages fall into and now you're being thrown really under the limelight to have important conversations and vulnerable conversations about yourselves and your fears Mm. your younger year experiences your hopes your expectations yeah yeah definitely it was strengthening for sure I mean I think it took our relationship to a new level yeah, definitely. Because, you know, after you have your first child and there's so much of focus, there's so much of a focus on them and, you know, maybe not so much of a focus on each other and it really did bring us back together and on a deeper level in a lot of ways. I mean, we still argued a lot too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Plenty of challenges. <laughs> when you think about your broader family dynamic and your biological son, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the experience he has had, he's gained a new sibling. Mm. What's that been like? It's been a really interesting journey for him because you have to communicate things in a really child-friendly way. You can't explain all of the things that, you know, my husband and I could talk about together. So, and it was really about introducing the right information at the right time and all of our training helped with that. To start with, it was challenging, you know, it was all of a sudden being an only child, you know, he had our full attention and then not just having another child come into the family but a child that was struggling with things and needed a lot of attention and needed needed commitment and consistency and so I think at times, yeah, he found it really hard but the things that he has learnt through having her join our family have just been extraordinary. They're the things that you can't teach, you know, the experiences. And we just noted little things like that along the way where you just see a behaviour in him that we'd never seen before. And it was like, oh, I couldn't have taught you that. Actually, I remember one day now 
he had a little friend over to play and she had a little friend over to play and I said, why don't the four of you go out in the garden and have a, have a play for... And his little friend didn't have any younger siblings and um, they were having a game of soccer together. So it was like one of the older ones is one of the younger ones and that was their teams and his friend just kept kicking goals, you know, like... <laughs> and I, I was sort of watching out of the window and not letting the little kids have a go of the ball, you know. And then I saw Louis pull, pull him over and say, hey, like, you've got to let the younger ones have a go. You've got to let them win here and there. And then we can go and have a play once they've had their fun. It was just something that, that was very simple, but I just thought, oh, yep, you're having, you know, he, he had, I guess, empathy for the little ones. And, yeah, it was just one of those moments where I thought, yeah, I couldn't, you couldn't really teach that. It's outside. so powerful because he never had to consider, not in his own family mm. unit, the needs of anyone else. Yes. Yeah. One other thing, I mean, we've had to be really open with communication since our daughter came to live with us. So we have regular family meetings where everybody has a chance to be heard. This is something that never happened in my family. So <laughs> it's something, and in Jason's family as well. So, yeah, we have regular family meetings where everybody gets to say how they feel, what they think. It usually happens after a blow-up, but now we do it more regularly just to check in with each other. So it might be a once-a-week thing where quite a few times you might say, you know, things are a bit out of whack, like I feel like... She's getting all the attention and I'm not getting any attention and then we just rebalance it and then we check in with him that next week saying, do you think we got the balance right this week? And he'll say, yeah, it's really good. I've had, you know, some good time with you, mum or dad or communication's been a really big thing. Another thing too is that um, choice is really important for children in out-of-home care because they don't really have any choice in where they are, who they're with, um, you know, all those decisions are made for them. So when she first came to live with us, we really made a point of giving her choice. So what to wear, what to eat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's quite a little tomboy too, doesn't like wearing dresses. And it was like, that's cool. You wear shorts, you wear whatever you want, you know. And that's been something that Louis has learnt as well, to give her choices. Given you've taken on a whole other human yeah. um, to be responsible for and, and many mothers that um, I talk to and myself included suffer this mother guilt thing that mm. where we have careers uh, that take us away from our responsibilities and capacity, that can be difficult to navigate. How has taking on another child um, impacted your very busy career? Career. Um, I've really had to pull back. I've had a very busy five years up until the last 18 months. I had to make some decisions to – I have sort of quite a few regular clients and I had to make some decisions to let go of a couple of clients that I really loved working with but time-wise it was too intense and that's one of the things when you move from being a foster care into permanent care, consistency and presence is such a big thing for the child we recognised in our daughter that a really strong relationship with a female carer was really important. So for the first three months that she came to live with us, we really focused on my relationship with her. She came to us eight days before Christmas, so we that was great that I had all of January off and then I just 
didn't take on much work for February, March. So for the first three months, and she was also starting kindergarten, so it was quite a big time for her as well. So for those first three months, we really focused on on that. Um, so I have had to pull back with work, but that's also been good because I feel like the balance is right now. So I feel like I've got the right balance of mum duties and still having a really fantastic career. And are you well supported in terms of the experience of uh, foster care? Are there groups or organisations you're involved with so you can catch up with other parents who are having similar feelings and issues? Yes. The agency, BCYF, that we went through, they were fantastic in their support in terms of counselling, in terms of they run a lot of training seminars, so we're always being invited to training days, you know, in all different aspects of behavioural things for children. So, yeah, we really were well supported and supported within our friendship group and families as well. Everyone was on board with it. It was, you know, a bit of a change to start with, but yeah, everyone's really embraced it. Also through DHHS, so through the Child Protection Services, they've been fantastic. So we've never, if we've ever had questions or we've ever, you know, needed extra support, because it's inevitable there's times when you just don't know what to do and there's always a helpline that you can call so if it's in a you know emergency situation if they're having any kind of sort of traumatic response to something then you've always got 24-hour support there which is great. So if someone was listening to this and they were considering foster care and maybe not permanent care maybe Mm. not adoption yeah what would you say? I would say it's amazing what you can do when you open up your heart and your home. To, there are so many children in need. Mm. Get emotional there. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. It's the most generous, selfless. It's amazing, act. a gift. No, it's like I think in Victoria alone. Yeah, so there are so many children in need in Victoria. I can't remember the figures, but it's tens of thousands. Um, And it's just not as hard as what you might expect it to be. It's funny, since we have done it, so many people said to me, oh, I've always considered or thought about doing that, but it's just never been the right time. And, I mean, for us, I think timing did play a part in it. It was just... We were just really decisive when it came to making the decision to do it. And I remember the first phone call I made to the foster agency, she said, you know, why today? So why, do you, why are you ringing today? So it was, that was Why were you ringing that day? I think we'd been so blown away by our friends and what they were doing in, in foster care And they're really busy people. They're both full-time workers and, you know, you wouldn't imagine that there was much time to have. They already have two children of their own and and we just thought, wow, like you could see that they were making a difference. They were respite carers so they really inspired inspired us. I think we just spent the weekend having a barbecue at their place and, yeah, there was a child in their care and it was just like, wow, they're really making a difference. Mm. So I think a lot of people do consider it, but it does seem scary. But if you have a go, I mean, <laughs> you it's surprising what you learn about yourself and about your family. And it's amazing how much you can adapt, like seeing how you has adapted. And it's, yeah, 
it's been a positive journey mm. for, for all of us. It sounds like she has been the greatest teacher <laughs> for all of you. But yes. one can only teach if you're open to learning. So the three of you have been open to what she's brought to you. Yes. Yeah. She has taught me a lot. <laughs> and more lessons to come, no yeah. doubt. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Wait for the teenage years. Well, thank you for being so open and oh, human and, and yeah. honest. It's an amazing gift that you're giving your daughter and your whole family. So we need more people like you to, you know, to, to give that. We always like to close out with asking uh, a little question and who do you think is doing human really well? It could be someone who's a mentor or someone you admire. So it's really just you saying, you know, this person I know is awesome at this or whatever. So it doesn't have to be relevant to the foster experience. Yes. But the question broadly is who's doing human really well? Really well. Oh, I'm going to say my sister, Kaz. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry. Why do, no. you cry? Why do you cry when you talk about oh, Kaz? Oh, because I live so far away from her. Mm. Sorry. Anyway, I guess she's my biggest inspiration. She's probably my greatest inspiration in terms of in being a mum and just... <laughs> and and, and a so sister. Silly. You're so close, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. What is it about Kaz that is so amazing as a mother? She's so supportive of her children. She's, yeah, they've had challenges in their own family too. Her son has diabetes and she he was diagnosed fairly early and she's just always been such an incredible support for him. She's a diabetes educator now as well. I'm really inspired by her, just the way she sort of runs her family and the relationships, the closeness that she has with her children, yeah. Mm. And I bet and she's inspired by you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick, for joining us A today. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Human Cogs. We know that being human is pretty messy for the best of us and we really hope these conversations challenge what you think you know about yourself and maybe some others in your orbit. And you know, Mads, as a psychologist, I know I'm having a good day at work when people say to me, Sabina, I've never thought about it that way before. That's what we hope your experience will be listening to Human Cogs. So if you want to find out more about other episodes or about this episode, jump on our website at humancogs.com. 